This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to the Coey House for the 22nd of April 2013. Due to circumstances of the week's recording, I was not able to panel as usual for the show. Our guest host thankfully helped us make sure the show got to air. However, due to issues around some of the live content, we will not be releasing the broadcast version of this show. Instead, this is a compiled version of the interviews we had carried out prior to the broadcast that made up part of the show. Thank you and enjoy. joined by the incomparable Barry Taylor. How are you today, Barry? I'm doing really well. You sound a bit tired. I hear you've had a very busy weekend. Yeah, we've been in Melbourne for the 8th Health and Difference Conference, which is a major conference looking at the health needs of LGBTI people, and it was a pretty full-on but an amazing three-day experience. Sounds like you're doing some amazing work. Now, we've brought you on tonight to chat to us about the Shoutout 2013 survey being conducted by the National LGBTI Health Alliance. Could you tell us a little bit more about what the survey is? It's a consultation online survey survey to get the opinions of gay, bisexual, trans and intersex men about an upcoming campaign that is about encouraging men to reach out and get help and to tackle and take action against depression and anxiety. So what prompted the survey? Often we know that men can be a bit stoic at times and are not very good at reaching out for help, particularly at early stages and often they leave it to crisis. And so we know that there have been a lot of men, particularly gay, bisexual, transgender men who have been experienced lots of depression in their lives, but they're not reaching out for help. And what we do know is that if men reach out and get help, depression is highly treatable. You don't have to suffer with it. I've lived with depression for many years, and I know that when you actually get the right help, it makes the world a difference. Do you think that if you had reached out when you were younger or at an earlier time, it would have been more beneficial for you now later on? Oh, totally. And I think that's what often I see in my work with people and men who are in distress is so often what we have to do is often deal with stuff that sometimes happened back in their teenage years. And these are guys now in their 50s and 60s. I suppose they're just unpacking it now. Yeah. And of course, they've held on to it, held on to it. And now it's at the body and the mindset, hang on, we can't take it anymore. And so the depression has come into force. I also love the fact that you've gone quite diverse with your questions because a lot of it is literally faced towards the transgender and the intersex and the bisexual community as well. It's not just gay men or just it's all men. That's right, because when we look at the statistics, it's not only just the men, like gay men who have very high rates of depression, anxiety, but when you look at transgender men and intersex men, they have incredibly high rates of depression. What do you hope to achieve by this survey? 
Well, what we're wanting is this is an opportunity for men to say what they want from the campaign. The government have funded Beyond Blue millions of dollars to do this national generalised campaign. And what we want to make sure is that that campaign is just as irrelevant and appropriate to gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex men. So we're trying to ask that population, well, what's really going to work for you? Because the danger is often campaigns, we are invisible in it. Our images, our stories our lived experience isn't told and so we say oh it's not relevant to us so we switch off so this is a huge opportunity for men to have a say in an issue that really does impact on our lives sounds like you're doing correct thing by not assuming what the community needs but actually asking the community what messages do you feel are required yeah and that's really important look it's a limited time we couldn't go around all around the country and ask a wide range of men whether they're in country or rural or in cities so we've had to do it in a really quick way so it's not the perfect way but we think through the online survey it's a chance for a whole range of men you don't have to have had depression to do it we want to hear from all range of men so we're looking at what information you want but also where do you get your information from where should we be putting it should we be doing it on billboards should we be doing it on bus stops you know do you get it from your gps or where do you want to get your information from is it online what's going to help this campaign to reach the men that we want it to reach i've actually done the server myself and it only takes you about 15 minutes to do it's not too long but it is very thorough Oh, yes. Well, we are a thorough type of people at the Alliance. (laughs) Now, where can people find out more information about the survey or actually do the survey themselves? Well, the best way is if they go onto the LGBTI Health Alliance website, www.lgbtihealth.org.au. And on the front page, you'll see the shout out banner. Click on the banner and it'll take you directly to the survey. So thanks for coming on and chatting with us about the Shout Out 2013 survey. But I have to say, while digging around in the research archives, I find out that there's a lot more to you than I originally thought, Barry. I'm not really that shallow. So I wanted to chat with you about the National LGBTI Health Alliance. How long have you been working with them? I've been here since 2011, heading up their national project called Mind Out, which is first of its kind in the world, funded by the Commonwealth Government to address the issues of suicide and mental health in LGBTI communities. And you've worked quite extensively within the LGBTI mental health field, even under the job of suicidologist, correct? I've worked in the area of suicide prevention for 25 five years all over the world and one of my passion areas of course being around suicide and a lot of my early work was around gay youth suicide both New Zealand Australia and different countries. So what started it all? I was one of New Zealand's first out gay youth workers and one of the young men I was working with killed himself and it just shook me in a way in a whole lot of ways this was back in the late 80s when we started to see a rise in suicide and I thought we have to do something about it and as I started to read about it it came quite aware that a lot of the literature had just come from a very not quite narrow but from mental health and was in mental health journey we really didn't know a lot in the community so I started in this work and kind of just kept going and I've been as I said been working in it for 25 years. Did you ever ask yourself if you were qualified enough to do this work I mean why you how does one start to get the experience that you need in this field? A lot of people don't deliberately say oh I'm going to go into the field of suicide but they just start to and as you go you develop it. So I was trained in youth work and then I eventually was also trained in counselling and then I did a lot of research and qualifications in public health, mental health
health promotion and such like. So over the years, I've gained it. But a lot of it in the early days was also just learnt by experience and determination and passion at times. I was going to say, it sounds like there's a heck of a lot of passion and drive for the community there. Well, I've been a great believer in life at times for me. I've had depression and so it's been at times difficult, but I've also been blessed with amazing friends and people in the world. But also what has made me as sadly as seeing is friends dying of suicide. I had quite a lot of my friends die of AIDS, but I've had quite also a lot of friends die of suicide. Not just young people, men of all ages. I've even grown older. I thought, well, maybe I'll see less of it. No, unfortunately, there's been suicide in the gay men's community across all ages. There's a very bittersweet tone in your voice there. You can understand why people get to it, but also when you see what causes that, the homophobia, the discrimination, the loss, the grief, the fear, the anxiety, the pressure by others and or sometimes the rejection of family and such like. You kind of can't not get a bit stirred up by it and see it's unnecessary when really we're asking is all human beings have the right to be and to live and to be legitimate citizens. We all have the right to be here and to belong. And with all the work that you've done over the last 25 years, what do you feel would be your greatest achievement? Well, I suppose being in the field so long is not just one achievement but knowing that at times I have made a difference sometimes it's you're hard you don't but I remember a few years ago I was back in New Zealand this guy came up and sort of said hello and I kind of looked and he said you remember me but you know back in 1989 I really wanted to be dead and you helped me and I'm still here and I've got a great partner and I'm doing really well in my life. I've had quite a few things like that. So that's the thing that keeps me here. But also those who have died have kept me in this work in terms of a passion for it. That in itself is amazing. Now, bringing it back to the National LGBTI Health Alliance, what positive impacts do you feel it's having on the community? I think what it has done for so long, particularly now the gay men's community, the focus has been on HIV and so all the funding around government has often been in, in that area. And so the Alliance has been particularly great at advocating, saying there's a wider issues that impact on the health or well-being of gay people and that what we've got is seen as a whole lot of now government funding. So we've got the project I head up, the Mind Out, but We've now got substantial funding around LGBTI ageing and aged care services. So there's a whole lot of work happening. And we're a relatively new organisation. It's only been going for about four or five years. But I think we've seen significant advances and changes. And that was reflected at the conference that we just held. And more directed to the rest of the community than yourself, what do you feel is the one change that we as individuals can make to support our fellow LGBTI community members better? Oh, don't be so bitchy with each other. I think sometimes we're really good at dragging each other down but also it's about affirming our difference celebrating who we are but also being there when our friends are going through a difficult time so by sounds but it's not just talking about diversity but it's actually walking it it's accepting that diversity within our community i think that's really important and it's i think sometimes i see us we can get caught up with negativity it's about being there i've been involved in bears since the very beginning in australia and i think sometimes we've been really good been inclusive but other times i think we haven't been all that inclusive I think with people like you there that have been working in the community for 25 years, all I can say is thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, it's been a pleasure. From what I've seen, I think we're going to get you on a bit more regularly. I think there's a lot more to you that I sort of want to scratch at and get your opinion on. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. 
So this year, Melbourne's Queer Film Festival celebrated its 23rd year. And tonight, we'll be talking to a particular Golden Toffee ticket holder who went to a staggering number of films. Hello, Scott. How are you this evening? Uh, good, thank you. It's not called the Golden Toffee anymore. It's called the All-In Pass. But yes, I did see a staggering number of films. Oh, see, the, the Golden Toffee ticket always sort of reminded me of the Willy Wonka chocolate factory of winning <laughs> Golden Ticket. So... How many films did you see this year? I think it was 80 films. So that includes short, probably 35 sessions, the equivalent of 35 feature films. I'm sorry, but someone's going to ask this question. Do you have a life? Do you work? <laughs> not during queer film, no. No, not at all. <laughs> and how many years have you actually been making the trip to the Melbourne Queer Film Festival? Probably since I moved to Melbourne in 2005, but I've only been doing the all-in pass, the golden toffee pass, as it used to be called, for probably three or four years. All right, so you went to a staggering number, 80 films this year. Tell us a little bit about some of the films that you went to see. Well, it was a really good year for films. We had lots of great films. I'd, I'd say probably of those I saw, probably five or six were really great. It Wait a minute, very... you didn't see all of them? There were more than 80 films? <laughs> well, that's right, because... For each session I saw, there was also at least one, sometimes two other sessions playing at the same time. So you, you still have to end up picking which films you're going to see. You can't see everything. So out of all of them, what percentage did you actually get to see of all the film? Oh, I would say probably close to half. Oh, my God. Yeah. So because, you know, there's quite a lot of lesbian films at the same time as there are gay films. And sometimes I pick the lesbian one, but usually I pick the gay one. And, you know, some films don't interest me so much. Some films I would really like to see, but I just can't fit them in. So. Okay, so tell us about some of your favourite films this year. So some of my favourites, there was a really great Australian Melbourne film, actually, called Monster Pies, which was from Melbourne filmmaker Lee Galea, which also won the Audience Choice Award for Best Feature Film. That was really good. It was a great film about two boys falling in love in high school. So that was uh, nice. It was also a fantastic beautiful, beautiful Spanish film called The Sex of the Angels, which was a very modern bisexual menage a trois. That was nice. Also, Steamy, there was a Palestinian-Israeli film called Out in the Dark, which was a young Palestinian student falls in love with a young Israeli lawyer and how they cope with that, with the Palestinians' family being A, anti-gay, and B, anti-him being in Israel. So... I think what was great as well, we had lots of really excellent documentaries that were very moving and powerful. One called Call Me Kuchu, which was a documentary about the struggle for gay rights in Uganda, where imprisonment and death are likely result for anyone who's openly homosexual. And that film followed David Cato, who was an activist and famously killed for being openly gay. So it was filmed when he was alive and then also after his death. And you find out in the film, well, as was reported around the world, that they they came to his house in the night and killed him with a hammer to the skull. So it's not all about sex. There's actually a lot of yeah. There's important a lot topics of, there as well. Yeah, really important topics, and and also topics for acceptance that we, you know, in some parts of the gay community, we still don't have like trans issues. There was lots of really good trans shorts this year. Many of them documentary style. I went to two two lots of the trans shorts and really enjoyed them. So it was good. Do you think that the Melbourne Queer Film Festival or queer film festivals at all impact on the community in general? 
overall? Oh, I think so. I think we get to see a wide variety of things happening all around the world, not just in our own little communities, as well as, you know, aspects of LGBTQI stuff that we don't know anything about. Just because we're gay doesn't mean we know everything about trans people or bi people or intersex people. Most of that's hidden from us most of the time, I think, and it's good to bring it into the light. So it really does help break barriers down, not only between the straight and the queer community, but also, as you said, between the LGBTIQ community in general. Yeah, it's certainly, personally, I think it's opened my eyes up to lots of things I never thought of or considered before. The other thing is the festival does various kinds of seminars. So they did one on queer television in Australia, and not just in Australia, but in general, and where it's been and where it is now and where we might be going. And there was also a fantastic seminar that I attended on crowdfunding, where they talked about Possible, the Australian version of Kickstarter. And as a filmmaker myself and planning to use Possible for my next campaign, that was uh, really quite amazing. Really? You're going to be making a film yourself? I am. I am. I'm, in fact, finishing one at the moment, and I'm in the process of beginning to audition cast and crew for a Tropfest film. Oh, excellent. It's very exciting. Yes. Can you give us a little sneak peek on what the storyline is, or are you keeping it close to your chest for now? I'm keeping it fairly close. I can tell you that it's a father and son story, and they're struggling, and the son does something drastic. So Hmm, stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) I think I will definitely be staying tuned Well, thank you very much, Scott, for coming on and having a chat with us No worries, thank you we will have to get you on closer to Tropfest Definitely Want to have your say on the Cubbyhouse project? Contact us through Facebook at facebook.com slash thecubbyhouse The Cubbyhouse project on Joy 94.9 Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.